All right, I'm Pastor Dave, and isn't this a great starting for, point for us here in September? The common foundation, however you've come to Rock Hills, if you're brand new here, if you've been around, we all are to come as we are. We don't have to get things together. We don't have to get things fig- figured out. God meets us right where we are. Now, there's a problem, though. There's something that gets in the way of us coming as we are. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to tell you a story about when I was in college a few years ago. I was at Michigan State University, and I think we've got a, a picture of the Spartan. This is the center of campus. Pretty awesome, imposing statue in the middle of campus. Um, I don't know if any of you watched Michigan State beat Oregon. It was, I mean, it was a stressful game, uh, but a win nonetheless. And as I started at Michigan State, um, I had a little bit of a problem because my habits for studying weren't very good. In fact, I wasn't that interested in studying, and I had a little bit of a problem or issue going to class. Now, I didn't fully subscribe to a friend of mine. He had a philosophy, which was, you can always retake a class, but you can never relive a party. So that wasn't fully mine, but I spent a lot of time partying and pretending. Now, pretending is a natural thing as a kid, right? Every kid pretends, and we encourage that. It's, it's good, and it's wonderful. And kids, you know, take on all kinds of different things, like superheroes and ninjas and pirates and firemen, policemen. That's a good thing. We expect kids to pretend. But what happens when a 19-year-old at college pretends to be 21. All right, so back in that time, it was fairly easy to get a fake ID. So I got one. I don't remember how I got one. I got one. I don't remember um, what the name was, who the person was, or what the picture looked like. Um, You know, it wasn't that close. All I remember is that it worked most of the time. So there was one particular time where my friends and I, we, we went to a party store, we got some beer, we were walking to a party on campus, and all of a sudden, a police officer drives up next to us, stops, and basically says, all right, he gets out of the car, and I'm like, okay, I want to run, but you know, you got all this going on in your head, but I'm afraid if I run and I get caught, I'm going to get arrested. So I stayed. And so... I took my medicine. I got a ticket for underage drinking and open container in a public place on the street. Now, here's the thing. My pretending came to an abrupt halt at that moment. And after that, I hated the feeling that I got when I used my fake ID because I always was wondering, what if I get busted? What if I get found out again? And we get this, because this pretending thing is human. It's human nature. And so I'm going to go back to a a famous old show. Um, Maybe you saw it on reruns, because most of us weren't around at this time, right? History. Opie, if it makes you feel any better. I never was much at history either. Weren't you, Andy? No. That's funny. (laughs) History is right up my alley. Well, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. History was one of my best subjects. It was. Well, yeah, don't you believe me? Well, ask me something. 
ask me anything. <laughs> okay, uh, what, um, what was, what was the, uh, Emancipation Proclamation? <laughs> you kidding? Everybody knows that. <laughs> well, good, don't be easy for you then. Go ahead, tell us about it. Oh, you're kidding. That's one of the most famous proclamations in history. I know. I bet you even Opie knows that one. Go on, tell him, Opie. Tell him about the Emancipation Proclamation. I never heard of it. You never? I don't know what they're teaching them these days. <laughs> you tell him, Aunt B. Me? I wasn't there, Lansing. Well, I guess it's up to you, Barn. Listen to this, Opie. You might learn something. Go ahead, Barn. <clears throat> well, the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, how do you like that? Spot right there on my uniform. <laughs> Guess I ought to be sending this out for the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, you was, uh, you was asking about the. Uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Right, yeah. Go ahead, I'm all ears. Yeah, you always was. <laughs> well, the Emancipation Proclamation <clears throat> uh, was a proclamation is what it was. Mm, what was it about? About emancipation. What do you think it was about? <laughs> what was it about? Use your head, man. It's common knowledge. There was these folks, and how else was they going to get themselves emancipated unless there was a proclamation? So they got themselves a proclamation, and they called it the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm surprised at you for not knowing that, Andy. And I'll tell you something else. I'm even more surprised that you think and I don't know about the Emancipation Proclamation. We're still waiting for you to tell us about it. Well, if you get so smart-alecky about it, maybe I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> Yes, so we have all tried to look like something we're not. We've all pretended in different ways. We've covered up. Um, we, you know, many of us, we do it because we feel insecure, right? Come on. We know what this is like, right? We've all covered things. We try to look better than we are. We call it dating, Right? Come on, we've all worked on our game to look a little better than we are. For you guys, I don't know the kind of things that you've done. Um, but maybe, just maybe, you've gone to the weight room or have you gone to work out before you go to the pool. Just look a little better, a little stronger. Some ladies, maybe you, lose, you use a little, ec, uh, mec, a little extra makeup. Some of us, you, we go out and we have a couple of drinks before we get together with our friends, so it's easier to talk. We've pretended like we got everything going on. We've pretended like we've, you know, we're doing really well. We've bought the sweet car. We've got the nice stuff, the nice clothes. Uh, maybe you've heard the quote, too many people are buying things they can't afford with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like. And yet we've got this debt, and we look like everything's going great, but inside... We're dying. We've all overslept. We've been late for a meeting. And what do we say? Oh, traffic was horrible out there. There was an accident. I'm so sorry I was late. And we make an excuse. But we were the problem. We've all lied to people because we wanted them to like us or to do something for us. I read an article in Psychology Today this week. And it was about deception. Now, this is really interesting. They did all kinds of 
questions that they asked people. And in their research, they found in general relationships, people used deception or lied about 30% of the time. Even if it was just a slight thing, 30% of the time. And college students use deception about 50% of the time with their parent or parents. So why do we do this? Why do we deceive? Why do we pretend? Well, we're afraid of being exposed. I mean, what if people really knew me? What if they knew my struggles? What if they knew what was going on inside? And sometimes we try to deceive God the same way. We pretend with God because we're secretly wondering or afraid that he might reject us if he really knew us. What if God really knew me? So in the scriptures, here's, here's the good thing. The scriptures are filled with pretenders. When you look in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see people throughout that try to pretend. And it goes back to the very beginning. In the, 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 the start of the Bible in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. God has given them this incredible environment. And he said, I mean, you can eat from all the trees, but there's one tree in the middle that you cannot eat the fruit of that tree. And so the, the serpent comes along, and the serpent asks Eve a question. He says, did God really say that you couldn't eat from any of these trees? And she said, no, we can eat from all the trees. God said, we can't eat from this one tree. And so the serpent said, he said, uh, well, he said, and she said, and, and if we do, we will die. And he said, did God really say that? Did he really say that you'll die? He just doesn't want you to eat from it because your eyes will be opened and you will be just like him. And so Eve and Adam, they took the fruit, they ate it, and what did they do right away? They went and they covered themselves because they were ashamed seeing their nakedness and they hid from God. And so God shows up later that evening and he's like, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? They're like, we're over here. We're hiding in the bushes. Human beings, we understand what it means to hide and pretend. So one day, Jesus, um, in John chapter 4, we pick up the story. Jesus is walking along. He had encounters with people all over the place. He met them right where they were, and he comes um, to, uh, he's leaving uh, in Jerusalem. He's going up to uh, Galilee. He has to go through Samaria to get there. He was headed north. He wasn't in a car. He couldn't take a plane. He was on foot walking with the disciples. And Samaria was a place that good Jewish people avoided because the Jews despised the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They had moved up to this part and through exile up to this part of Israel. They'd intermarried with other nations. And so Jewish people and Samaritans hated each other. I mean, it'd be like for us San Antonio Spurs fans inviting over some Laker fans to watch the game with you with all their gold and purple. Come on, not in my house. They despised each other. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. They didn't talk to each other. And it was especially taboo for a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman to talk. 
But here's the interesting thing. Jesus didn't care. He broke through all the isms of his day. He broke through racism and sexism and legalism. And there he was as they showed up at this common well together, this local well, ready to have a conversation with this woman. Now, here's, here's a, a picture of Jacob's well. This is actually the, the, the site that they have in Israel. But here's a picture of probably what it looked like in that day. People would go to this place to get you know, pure spring water. It flowed constantly. It was a very important spot. And so here's the question. Jesus shows up at noon. They'd been traveling. He was hot. He was tired. He was thirsty. And so he comes to the well at noon. And it was the time of day when nobody would be at the well unless they were traveling. And yet this woman was there getting water for her own needs. So we ask why. Why was she there at noon at the hottest, at this hot part of the day? Why was she there? Well, she was avoiding something. Because in that culture, the women would go to the well, and they would typically go together, and they would go first thing early in the morning when it was cool, and they would get enough water for the needs that they had that day. And yet this woman came at noon. And as she was drawing water, Jesus asked her for a drink. Now the woman was surprised by this because Jewish people and Samaritans didn't talk. And she said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And here's what Jesus said to her. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to this well again. You can almost sense the emotion inside of her and through her voice that comes out of this text. She was coming at noon to avoid all the interactions with people. The daily reminder of what people thought about her. She was hurting. She wanted to protect herself. She didn't think she could trust anybody. And she's thinking, yeah, give me this water so I don't have to come back here ever again. So what was going on? Well, Jesus decided, I'm going to cut right to the heart. I know what's going on with you, woman. I'm going to cut right to the heart of it. And he says this. He says, go, get your husband. And then she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus went on to say, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with right now, you're not married to. Jesus knew 
exactly what she'd been through. He knew her. He knew the mistakes that she'd made. She, he knew how she felt about it. And yet as he said this to her, she didn't want to go there. She didn't want to bring up all the stuff that was a part of her life. She wanted to keep pretending. She wanted to cover her mistakes. She wanted to pretend like all this stuff hadn't happened in her past. And I wonder what was going on through her in, in her mind. I wonder if she was thinking, I don't know if anybody would love and accept me. And yet, as Jesus spoke to her, something was different. He was different. His words were different. His facial expression was different. His eyes were different as she looked into them. Jesus seemed to know her inside and out as they talked. And he was offering her something incredible, something amazing, this water that she didn't understand. And I have to wonder if she started to think, maybe for the first time, I wonder if I can trust this person. I wonder if I can trust this prophet who knows so much about me. And maybe she started to open up to this reality. What if God knows me better than I know myself and he loves me anyway? Maybe for the first time that that, that idea, that sense crossed her heart. What if God knows me better than I know myself and he loves me anyway? And that's what Jesus was introducing to her is that I know you're thirsty but I have something for you that's better than this spring. I have a water of grace, a spring of grace that will never end. As you open your heart to God. So here was the, you know, as you look at what's happening in this text, we wonder, how did she respond? How was she going to respond to Jesus? Because he was giving this invitation of this incredible gift of grace and water that comes from God. It was really a divine moment for her. And in that moment, the question is, would she believe, would she trust, would she receive this incredible offer that God was giving to her through Jesus? Was she willing to be honest and to stop pretending? Now, this is a big deal for all of us because we all need safe places, right? One of the reasons we pretend is we don't feel safe. But how can we find that safe place? How can we experience this love that Jesus talks about? Well, the way I think of it is, is this. I have, uh, I have four kids, and my daughters in particular, you know, six and ten, they love to play and to pretend, and Emmy loves to play hide-and-seek. And, seek. and that's, that's a cool thing. I mean, <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of times, I mean, she'll hide in the morning, she'll hide at night, she'll hide in the afternoon. Um, sometimes I have no idea where she is until I hear something move or I hear her giggle. It's a really fun game that we play. 
But a funny thing happens. As kids start to get older, they start to pretend in ways that are not so fun and so positive. I have teenage boys. I understand the pressure they're under. And we have a tendency, don't we, as we grow up, to begin to pretend because we want people to like us. We pretend because we want to fit in. And I know my girls and I know my sons are going to deal with that sense inside is I'm afraid because I don't want to be rejected by this person. I don't want to be rejected, so I'm going to pretend. But you know what? Um, I mean, my kids, they, sometimes they try to hide things from me. Sometimes they try to deceive me. But the thing is, I know what they're doing. I know where they are. And I don't care. I want them to be honest before me. And you know what? Whatever they've done, whatever they're trying to cover up, I don't care because I love them for who they are. I love them right where they are. This is an interesting thing. So uh, Emery, uh, this is just in the last week or so, she was talking to Candace and she was a little anxious about something and Candace was asking her what's going on and she said to Candace, she said, um, uh, she said, Mommy, um, I, I'm... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nervous or I'm afraid. I don't know how she expressed it, but she said, because I'm not the perfect daughter for you. And Candace said, wait, wh- what do you mean? Why are you, why are you saying that you're not the perfect daughter? So there's this thing that she um, kept messing up with. And I won't tell you what it is, but she kept messing up with something. And so that meant in her head, I'm not the perfect daughter for this family. It was this beautiful opportunity for Candace and then for me to say, you are the perfect daughter for this family. And we love you for who you are. We love you no matter what. None of us are perfect, but you are perfect for our family. So what if God knows us better than we know ourselves and he loves us anyway? That's what we're seeing in the scriptures as Jesus has this interaction with this woman. She didn't think that anybody would love her or pay attention to her again. She only thought she would be judged or pushed away and rejected. And yet Jesus says, the grace of God is for everybody who's willing to receive it. That's why Jesus came into the world to live a life before God that we couldn't live ourselves, and then to lay down his life for all of our sins and mistakes so that we could receive this living water. Jesus offers this to us today. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what you've been through, this is the water of grace that's offered to you. It's the water that cleanses your past or our past and it refreshes our future. It gives gives us hope and it gives us the ability to take a look at today and say, God, will you go with me? Will you show me your love? Will you give me strength? It's an incredible invitation. 
So that means that you and I, we need to be willing to stop doing what? Pretending. That's a question. Are we willing to stop pretending? Because this offer of living water, this offer of grace is for all of us, no matter what we're going through. And we're all going through stuff. It's an offer for the couple that's just holding on today. They're struggling in their marriage. And they don't know if anything can fix it. It's an offer for the woman who wonders if anybody is going to love her or appreciate her again. It's an offer for the guy who struggled sexually and desperately wants to find acceptance. For the guy who can't seem to get the right job and continues to struggle trying to pay the bills and keep his head and his family above water. It's for the student who's stressed out uh, with school and feels like the world or end if they can't keep the highest grades. And for the person who just can't stop drinking, even though he keeps trying to quit. This is living water that Jesus gives. He's the only one who can give it, and it's for all of us if we're willing to receive it and to say, God, I want to be honest. I don't want to pretend. I want to be a part of this community of grace. Well, here's one thing I'd like all of us to do this week. As we think about um, our life, This is a good opportunity for us to just stop and to take a look at our life story. And maybe you can take out a a piece of paper, a pad of paper later tonight, early this week. And I want you to think about your life. What are some of the, the highlights, the high points? And what are some of the lows of your life? Think of those, uh, those times where it's like, oh, okay, this was great. And this was horrible. How were you feeling at the time? What was going on in your mind and your heart at the time? And could you see whether God was there at that moment? So start mapping out your story. Has God been a part of it? If so, in in what ways? Because here's the thing. It's important for us to understand our story and how God has been there. Even if you don't have faith yet, to see that God is present in tough times. That God is there to meet you and to help you forward. So I invite you to do that. We're going to talk more about it as we continue this month. But here's this one thing that I don't want you to miss as we go away together. And it's this. God knows us better than we know ourselves, and he loves us anyway. God doesn't want us to pretend. God wants us to know that he meets us right here where we are today. We don't have to get cleaned up. We don't have to figure things out. He meets us. And that's why we exist as a church at Rock Hills. 
We exist to be a community where God meets people over and over again, right where they are. And he invites us to begin drinking this water of grace that refreshes us on a daily basis, where we know that he loves us no matter what, and he's calling us to come along in the journey, to ask him to be a part of each day of our life, to stop avoiding things, to stop hiding things, and to get ourselves open so that we can share our lives, we can share our stories with other people who struggle. Now listen to this. This is a great picture, I think, of the Rock Hills community. It's from uh, one of the writings of Dallas Willard, who's written a ton of stuff about the spiritual life and what it means as human beings, as broken people, to be in relationship with Jesus and to share that life, to share our lives with other people. And he says, this is what the community should look like. This is what the church should look like. And I think this is indicative of Rock Hills. Rock Hills is a place for the flunk outs and the dropouts and the burned outs. The broke and the broken. The drug heads and the divorced. The HIV positive. The brain damaged and the people who have incurable diseases. The barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. The overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable. The swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced. The parents with children on the street. The children with parents not dying in the rest home. The lonely, the incompetent, the emotionally starved or emotionally dead. The ones who are depressed. The blended families, the suicidal, the illiterate and the ungrateful, the marginalized, the stigmatized and the ostracized. You know, when we're honest about our lives... We've all experienced or felt some of these things. And yet this is a place where Jesus meets us, where God loves us right where we are, where he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he loves us anyway. And he asks us to be open, to share our lives with other people who have the same struggle. 